This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Welcome back, friends, fans, and enemies. This is Jason Chevron Chops, and this is episode four, Quattro, the one before the fifth episode of the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. This here episode features the revenge of Matt Neslonic, who returns to dive into some video game action uh, like we were supposed to last time. After Matt leaves, I am joined by Will Lewis from Pig Squad. We run through just what his Portland Indie Game Squad gets up to, how they boost the local industry and his life as a gamer and creative. As always, make sure to subscribe and review the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, eh, when I get around to it, and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter, at WAG Podcast, or send an email at wagpodcastpdx at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. This is Jason Chevron Chops, and joining me today is Matt Neslanik. Hello, Matt. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well. It's getting warm. Um, So last, let's see, a couple pods ago, we were supposed to talk about video games, and we ended up talking about Harry Potter and what was the other part? Uh, we got a little sidetracked. Yeah, a little, uh, yeah. little sidetracked. But that's that's the nature of this beast. I, I don't want it to be so black and white that, no, stop it. We're going to talk about video games. This is the only video games. You can only... talk about what I tell you to talk. <laughs> we are talking about the video games. <laughs> no, it's not like that. This is a, a nerd culture podcast, more than anything. First and foremost. <laughs> But, little freeform casting. Right? But now we're going to talk about video games exclusively. None of that other BS, unless we feel like it. <laughs> right. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, too, um, that we never got a chance to, was actually getting into your gaming life, like the history of Matt playing video games. Because I think we said that you hadn't, or you weren't like born into a gaming house that came later no. in life potentially. Yeah. My, my dad was the type that, you know, we got to watch like an hour of TV a week. Oh. Uh, we didn't have cable growing up. We were supposed to be outside playing and running and reading and, you know, doing all that type yeah. of stuff. Hippies. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You know, where, where my mom would just be like, go outside. I don't want to see you till dinner time. I guess they don't really do that with kids anymore, but no, they tend to disappear when you do that now. (laughs) Right. We tried. It never worked. Right. Nobody would keep us. They kept bringing us back. Damn it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know where you live, kid. I'm taking you home. Ah, Jeez. It's a damn Nazlana kids again. Ah, (laughs) not wrong. (laughs) But yeah, so we were never allowed to have any video game systems. Of course, if we couldn't watch TV, they're not going to give us a system that makes us spend more time in front of the TV. Right. Until 
I believe we were about, I was about nine or 10, I think. And the uh, first system, I found an Atari 2600 and about 30 game cartridges for $5 at a yard sale. Oh, yes. And that was my introduction to gaming. And that was nine, you said? I think nine or 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah, that's not terrible. It's, you know, but at that point, the reason it was so cheap is because everyone had Nintendos. Right. That was after the crash and the AT&T or (laughs) AT&T, the ET landfill scenario. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I had I had done a little gaming at friends' houses. I had a friend who had uh, an Intellivision mm, system. Yeah, uh, another friend with a ColecoVision. Oh. Um, I'm trying to. What was the What was the one where you had? It looked like a little game cabinet with overlays for each game. I think that was the Vectrex. Yeah, it was Vectrex. Vector, Vector Graphics. That thing was actually sweet. Like, I never got to experience cool. one in my childhood. Like, I had. The Atari and the I, I had a neighbor that had the ColecoVision, but I never saw the Vectrex until an adult like running emulators. I was like, holy shit, this existed! Mm-hmm. It was wild. It was pretty cool. Yeah, because it it's looked like, like a little arcade machine too. Yeah, and like 3D. I mean, more or less. Like before yeah. anything else attempted it. But, sort of 3D, but yeah, because it's just weird wireframes floating around. But still, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. So that you know. Once I got the Atari 2600, I was, I was hooked. Um, <laughs> I think when I was, just before I turned 13, I, I bought a, an NES with light gun and two controllers off of a buddy at school. Sweet. Again, yard sale prices. Right. And I loved that thing, man. Mm-hmm. Then we got a Sega Genesis after that, oh. which I was, I loved NHLPA. I loved the uh, ice hockey games. Yep. And many others too, but I always loved uh, NHLPA. Right. I'm trying to think when was it? I think I was 14, and I visited a friend whose dad had a big computer, and he had on five uh, little floppy disks the first iteration of Doom. Ooh, that <laughs> shit changed my life. On five floppy disks, what the hell? Yep, because there were the two big games that at least. I think in the early 90s, it was Doom and Descent. Yeah. And I was amazed by what you could do. I mean, right. it felt like I was in the game with Descent. Mm-hmm. You're 3D moving all over. Oh. You know? And those that, that had me hooked. I, I From that point out, I've always had consoles, but I was mainly a PC gamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Still to this day. That's, that's where you got the hook set right there. Oh, Doom just got me. Mm. Uh... I, I'm trying to remember what the first game uh, he showed me on the computer was Mist. Oh yeah, you remember Mist? Oh yeah. Visually and impressive until and... you watch it like try to move. Like, <laughs> still mm-hmm. pictures look great. It was beautiful. <laughs> but trying to play it, it was the most confusing thing because he had lost the book with it too. Oh no. I had no idea what we were doing. We we're no. just wandering around this little island, and they're right. like, "All right, what other games do you have?" Yeah. He pulls out Doom. Oh, oh shit. And Matt was never the same. Oh, man. The first time he put in the code, God mode. Oh, yeah. And you just start going through everything with the minigun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh. Yeah, that got me hooked. <laughs> well, and it's at that point in time, too. That was when console to PC, there was no comparison. Like, they, they could not compete at all. 
PC was oh, no. like a generation or two ahead of anything that you could do at home. And I would say, you know, PCs have maintained at least a little bit ahead of for the for the longest time. Yeah. Well, and it's it's just having a higher quality experience now versus being like a generation gap. Because almost nothing mm-hmm. comes out on PC that can't be done on a console in some capacity. Like, there's exceptions because there's games like um, Eve Online. But they just don't make sense yeah, to try to play with a computer or a controller versus laptop yep. or, oh my god, keyboard and mouse. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> this, English, man. This, English. This Kofifi thing has me all flummoxed. Coughed up. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I mean that's see that was a thing for me. I, I fell in love with uh, just from from Doom mm-hmm. mouse and keyboard control setup. Yeah. So so precise, so accurate. True. Um, and I ever since I I have done it a few times. I hate playing shooters with a with a joystick. Yeah. No, it's it's an acquired taste for sure, and. If you do play a it's lot so more PC, slow. you'll hate it. Yeah, I. But it's so inaccurate too. I've never, I don't know, I've never committed really to playing a lot of um, FPS stuff on the PC. I played Day of Defeat and Source for a while in Battlefield, like the older ones, like 1942 and two, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was like fantastic. But the the skill gap is flipping bananas on pc like I, i could sit next to my buddy that's getting like 38 kills on a single round or match or whatever i'm getting like two like it's yep uh so i i think that's why i lean more towards console is everybody's crippled to the same degree so the playing field's a lot more even it's usually a little bit easier to uh to pick up and and just pick up and go too. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about sitting down and mapping out 28 different keys, oh you know, boy. for when you're on foot, 28 when you're on in a vehicle. Right. Uh, you know, all these different things. Well, what are you talking about? I don't mind. That's that's why you have like your your flight joystick and then your steering wheel and everything. So you just turn left and right. And then you have three monitors. So you don't even have to like look sideways at the uh, monitor. Right. I mean, that, that's what everybody I does. I wish right? I had room for that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have two 27-inch monitors, and then we moved into uh, my condo. There just isn't enough room. Yeah, man. The struggle is I'm looking to replace. (laughs) It really is. I'm looking to replace this 27-inch I have now. I want a 34-inch curved widescreen monitor. Oh, yeah. And I'm not sure if they've... See, the problem is you get the ones, like the 4K... I believe there's a couple out there, and they're like 1200 bucks a piece yeah you need to make sure you have a graphics card that can push that high of a resolution (laughs) on that big of a monitor right without a bunch of tearing and shit but if you do it's awesome well and they have the that's that's iffy though because there's the um depending on i don't know i guess is it just nvidia that has the the screen sync thing that they do the g-sync the g-sync yeah and is that just like I think a so but a really good monitor shouldn't have that issue. Okay. That's that what is that even for? Like again, me being the pedestrian PC guy, 
I've, I've seen that pop up and it sounds good, but it also, I figure it's just a gimmick. It is kind of gimmicky. Supposedly, you know, if you're moving too quickly, it won't have any tears in the image or anything like that. Um, the G-Sync supposedly handles that better with the NVIDIA graphics card. Mm -hmm. But it has I to be built into the it. monitor, right? I honestly don't know. What's that? It has to be built into the monitor, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You get the G-Sync uh, okay. applicable monitors. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Sounds like a gimmick more than anything. It's some branding thing to... Get some in part like what is that parasite sales? So <laughs> yeah, you bought symbiotic. It, it, well, there you go. Because I I don't know who the parasite would be in that scenario, Nvidia or the Nvidia. monitor. We like maker. money. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to be a fan of. Uh, I mean, I still kind of am a fan of the Radeon, you know, cards, but they yeah. just haven't been able to keep up with Nvidia lately. Well. With, does any of it even matter anymore? Like, really, honestly? Besides individual game kind of incompatibilities? Like, is it is it not just well, down to brand loyalty? Ford versus Chevy? If you're PC I mean, Master Race, best specs, best benchmarks. Well, yeah. No, but, it really doesn't. But that would swing either way. And why would it matter brand-wise? Like, Supposedly, yeah, you, got the I've best. heard a lot of people complain about uh, NVIDIA and their business practices as they, they get deals with different companies to optimize their games for NVIDIA drivers, and those games then don't play well on ATI cards, that type of thing. That's Yeah, that's gross. Hmm. That's kind of scummy. Well, same thing happens on the console side now, because you get up, get wind up with all these stupid exclusives, and it's all just big fat checks getting signed one way or the other. I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can guess. I know some people love it. Uh, you know, the fanboy arguments, uh, PlayStation versus Sony. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, PlayStation's got more exclusives, but or not PlayStation versus Microsoft, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and PlayStation does have more exclusives. Microsoft, I think, has a better online thing, but it's like... Mm -hmm. I don't fanboy over them. I, I don't have as much time to play. So when I do, I just, I've got the Xbox because I've always had one. I wish it had more games that are exclusive from Sony, but it's not enough to make me switch. Right. Now, and I don't know. Looking back through time, I've, I've stayed with Sony throughout. I've had every PlayStation console. With Xbox, I got an Xbox original from one of my jobs as like a, a bonus for the year. That's the only nice. time I've ever owned a Microsoft console. And I really don't feel like I missed anything from, from beyond that. Like I got to play Halo one and two. I got to actually play through all of the other Halos through friends and family. So I, I don't know, nothing else on that console, except for Forza. Forza is the only thing that's really attractive to me because I love racing games and, I just know that that one, it's it's got the most of the sim aspects with just a little bit of arcade sprinkled in, and I. What do you mean, uh, Forza or Forza Horizon? Both, because even the Forza Simulation series, like Forza Racing, like those are arcadey as hell. Like they're not up to the simulation level of even Gran Turismo, and Gran Turismo is still just a console game. But when you talk and compare to like. PC racing sims like iRacing and 
I mean, Project Cars to a lesser degree, but the other stuff that's out there, no, it's 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 barely a sim at all. It's got <clears throat> great graphics, but like the the handling is is good. It's realistic, but the game rewards you for driving like shit. Like you can drift your way through most of the game just driving like a slob and you'll be fine. Like the game likes that and lets you do it. It's it's got yeah. that kind of a a direction where Horizon, yeah, completely like no holds barred, but it's it's just like I kinda like Horizon personally. Oh yeah. That's that's the one game that I, I definitely would take an Xbox for just to play that because it looks like insane fun. So let me ask you, you had the original Xbox. I never had that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got a 360. That was my first uh, Microsoft console. Yeah. So you did you have Steel Battalion? No, but it's an epic game just for the controller alone. <laughs> I was going to say that's got the greatest controller ever. Yes. The 200 button tabletop basically. Yep. <laughs> you could set it up on legs and you just got the pedals down there. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to play it. Right. That to play it on it's that setup would be epic. Find. Yeah. No, there's you'd have to talk to some crazy collector person and even then they wouldn't want you to touch it. So <laughs> Oh, actually there's one on uh, Amazon right now for seven hundred dollars. Ah, bargain. Yeah, hey, that's a steal. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god! It, it even has the old ammo box. The uh, whole thing came in. Wow! Now yeah, that—that's some special crap. I don't have an Xbox though, so right. it really wouldn't do me much good. Man, yeah, I really wonder what that's like. Well, you get used ones from two seventy-five. Again, I would need an Xbox with it. Yep, you can get those for they, like. They need $50. to port that over to uh, the Xbone. Like you, you know, you could get a used one at GameStop for like fifty bucks, right? <laughs> An original Xbox, I yeah. think, probably cheaper than that. Oh yeah, I, I think I still have one kicking around, the one I had, because I always kept it around for the the potential of like maybe modding it and doing the crazy crap you can with it. But it's just like the JTAG and other things. Well, just the like to be able to run emulators on it. And turn it into like a media center, that type of stuff. But I think it's too far behind the times now to matter. Gotcha. Because it it doesn't it doesn't do the resolution and shit that other newer things can. My buddy has so he he loves his PlayStation Two. Really? He's got four. He's got four or five of them. What? He buys them for like twenty bucks on eBay and mods them and has fun modding them. Okay. So he's got. I guess he's got. I think the app's called Cody. I don't know if you heard of that one. So he's mm-hmm. got that running on one. And he's done a couple of these mods where he's put in, you know, a couple terabyte hard drive. He puts in a few different other things. And he just downloads the ROMs for everything. And his kids watch movies on it. And it's it's just become like a little entertainment system for them. Nice. Yeah, I never knew that anybody got that far with the PS2. Like, I thought that thing was pretty well locked down when it came out in the the processor architecture was a pain in the ass, so everybody's going to poo-pooed it. It was, but no, that was that one was actually, you know, after a couple of years, they stopped really updating the firmware and everything. Yeah. So and can... uh, yeah, that's 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 used by a lot of people. There's a lot of forms on that one now. Hmm. So he's got tons of ROMs that run, you know, from other systems too. Yeah. 
No, so that's, he's using that's that basically like you use a Raspberry Pi now. Yeah, man, because I I know the PS3 when it initially came out and for the first year or two, they allowed you to install and run an instance of Linux. Which I mean, that opens. It I up remember to, that. Yeah, that opens it up to everything. But, but they did away with that <laughs> with the update, didn't they? Yeah, they did patch it out at some point, and I mean, the people that did it cared, but everybody else, it's it doesn't matter. Like it didn't affect anything for ninety nine point nine percent of owners. But that was another one that I always kind of like had in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I'd, you'll probably do that someday, but I don't know. Now it's I've got a. Uh, got the fat one it was a launch edition but it finally like got the yellow light so it's kind of just hanging mm. out in a box somewhere <laughs> oh, gotcha man. well so, play yeah. with it if you if you have the time that's what she said Woo! oh god <laughs> i need the the peewee herman thing the peewee sport house the day. Word of the day. Ah! <laughs> man so in talking wow. about all the different consoles. We've got a pretty big thing coming up here. Little little event called Ed Trace. E3. Really? The Electronic Entertainment Expo. So we're recording on the 31st of... Is this May? Yeah, May. May so May. June 12th through 15th. So just a, a, not even two weeks away. There's a ton of... Just the typical, like, chitty chatter out there about potential announcements and stuff there's also the i don't know the something to look forward to whatever you want to call it the the prospect of seeing a lot of games that are kind of already out in the open as in they're being worked on but haven't been seen in public or lately things like red dead redemption 2 um Fallout yes. 4 with VR that's supposed to be coming out. Uh, what what kind of big ones caught your eye so far? Um, I'm actually kind of curious with the whole uh, Microsoft Scorpio thing. Yeah. The the PS4 killer. <laughs> Native 4. Well, I, I wouldn't probably call it that. but I, I think um, Sony is shaking in their boots with that one. Because I think they jumped the gun. I've actually heard rumors about a PS5 hardware announcement. Right. Because, I mean, with with the Scorpio, it's not like a generation leap, but it's definitely more than the PS4 Pro can do. Quite a bit, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's kind of a weird in-between thing. And this happens a lot, too, with the gaming companies that somebody tries to make a big move, somebody else makes a medium one, and then it goes back and forth. It's kind of like when the, I don't know, it's like PlayStation came out and then the Nintendo 64 came out right after. It wasn't like an mm-hmm. exponential change. It was just a little more. So I don't know. I think it's, it's. I see the potential, just, but I don't think anybody's going to be able to take care or take advantage of it because it is not a brand new console. They still have to serve both ends of the spectrum now. So it's going to be See, I, I'm worried about the fracturing of the base though. Right. You know, if they so supposedly they're saying no games are going to come out as Scorpio only, which that's that's no. an actual hurdle in my eyes. Like that's something that's going to hold it back from being truly successful since you can't. I'm curious if 
if they'll have, you know, a patch to give it the better graphics on the Scorpio that can run it. Hopefully. Most games. But is the development time going to be worth it to make it enough of a boost that it's... Bingo. I mean, yeah. So it's... So I, I could see a smaller dev company going, hey, we're not going to, you know, make it cheap and then make an extra patch for it that would take an extra six months. We're just going to make it for the Scorpio. And as soon as that happens once... It's going to happen a lot. Yeah. But there's going to be a ton that make it for somewhere in the middle, and then it upscales to whatever the Scorpio can do or downscales to the existing console. It's ugh, it's just a weird gray area to yeah. be in. But hopefully, I mean, like you said, it's going to be able to do, to do native 4K, which is yep. already a big boon because... The PS4 Pro can only upscale, I think. It can't yeah. output native 4K. But for me, as always, like every time it comes up to this conversation, FPS means way more to me. It's about the mm -hmm. only thing I care about. It's the biggest thing with VR right now. I mean, that's that's what makes or breaks VR experiences is the frame rate. If it's too low, it screws you up. So... Same thing with console games, always and forever. If they can at least hit 60 frames, it's perfect. It's beautiful. There's only been one game that I could think of, and I can't even remember which one it was. It was something I played recently, but it actually had a frame lock setting in the options on PS4. Really? Yeah. Blew my mind. And... Interesting. Yeah, because it's it's made to lock at 30 and stay there, never drop below. But if you want it to jump up to 60 every now and then, like, go for it. Like, yes, please. Like, it's exactly what I want. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. I could just remember what the hell game that was, though. But yeah, it's things like that. That And um, that's the other one. Horizon, they have the settings for the PS4 um, Pro where you can turn on HDR and use right. whatever like 4k advantages it has too. But there's nothing for that other like performance increase. Like I said, like frame rate, like which for me with my setup, I don't have a 4k TV. It doesn't do HDR. If I got a PS pro or PS4 pro, I'd be an idiot because <laughs> I would literally no see nothing. Yeah. There's, there's no improvement. So I don't know. It's again, there's a direction that they should go that I want them to go, and they just don't. And I, it's just it's it's frustrating. It's a frustrating time it's to frustrating. be a gamer. <laughs> it's also a good time though. Yeah, bittersweet. You so, know, I still haven't. Have you gotten a switch? No, I don't. I don't think I ever will. I just I don't. Uh, I'm not crazy about Nintendo games overall. Like so, I was always a Zelda whore. Yeah. I loved and played all of them. I even played the Neo Geo ones, which <laughs> were horrible. Little, the 3DO, not Neo Geo. 3DO or the CDI even. It was like... Or was it the CDI? It was, 2D, yeah, yeah, it like, was hand-drawn ones. I think it was the, yeah, they were horrible. Yes. But I still played them because I wanted to play all those other games. And oh, I've man. just... I The last ones I played were the, were the ones for the Wii. Yeah. Which, was that Twilight Princess? There was... Twilight Princess, I think, was the last GameCube one, but then they re-released it for the Wii or something, some such. But yeah. then also the Skyward then, Sword. 
Well, they had one for the Wii U, didn't they? Or was that... That's the one they skipped. I think they did some re-releases, some upgraded ones. Like, I think they just put, like, Wind Waker on there recently. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I no originals. I skipped the Wii U. I, didn't mind, I refused to buy one of those. Yeah. And I still haven't gotten a Switch, even though I, I do want to play Breath of the Wild. I heard it's one of the best Zelda games in a while. Yeah. Possibly ever. I just... It's just not... I, I just I don't see it worth the value of the Switch by itself yet, and there's not enough no. else there to pull me in. No, but you sent me this list of upcoming games. I mean, does that change yep. anything for you? Um, let's see. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, no, no. No, uh, no, 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 no. It really no, doesn't. No, no, not, no, not yet. No, no, no. no. I mean, I'll be honest. The, the favorite games that I, I've always played, the Mario Kart games, yeah. uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, Smash Brothers games, There's even the, the Super ones. Mario games themselves, like Galaxy and all. And Metroid. Yeah. Yeah. Those are typically good. They haven't had a good one in a while, but still. No, they, they've got no, their, their first-party uh, brands that are... 3DS XL. Oh, God. And then I see what? they have a 2DS XL that's coming out now, too. Well, that's just the flat thing, right? It was. Now it's a, a clamshell again, but it just doesn't have the, the 3D. That's what, instead of calling it just the, the DS, it's the 2DS now. So yeah, you had the flat okay. one before, and now they have a clamshell one that they're releasing, I believe. I think that's what I saw. Unless I just got some bad Google results. But yeah, I, I, wanted, to get, silly. I wanted to get the, the 2DS though. Because it's not horribly big, and if there are a bunch of games on there that you want to experience without, you know, spending a bunch of money, because that was only $90 and came with Mario Kart. I think I got the, uh, when I got my 3DS XL, it was 250 I have a, uh, what is it, I think I have a red, is it the Ruby Pokemon edition? Oh god, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Which it doesn't do anything for me because I never really played the Pokemon games, so you know. It's just yeah. got the logo on there now, or it's that color. It's that color. Oh geez. But I will say I love the virtual console on that. Yeah. Uh overpriced, found my favorite but... game. What's that? Overpriced, but Yeah. Yes. But they had River City Ransom. Ooh. And that was and always will be one of my favorite games. Man, that's one I still haven't tried to play. I don't know why. You've never no played ex- River City Ransom? Yeah, I have no good excuse. Wow. Yeah. No, I I, I will, because I have my emulators and crap. I will do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I have no idea why that game was so much fun for me, but it was. Well, no, it's it's one of the ones that everybody says is a classic from the NES. It's definitely on the, the must playlist, just like double dragon and battle toads and all the Mario games. Not wrong. Right. Not wrong on any of those, man. Although battle toads, Jesus. Yeah. Well, and so hard. I started digging into background stuff, history stuff on battle toads. Cause I knew there was like a Sega re-release, a Genesis version of the NES game. So, right. There's multiple versions of that game out there. There's the original NES one, 
there's an edited Japanese version that's easier. And that's what they huh. used as the base for the Genesis version. And like the Genesis version, I, I played it before and it must've been like a bad emulator, bad ROM, but it was broken. Like mm. get to the turbo tunnel and cannot get out period. So I'm pissed because a, it's supposed to be the easier version. <laughs> B, I can beat right. the hell out of that level on my like real NES. And even, I think I've done it before on emulators. So it was, it was a weird like situation, if you will. But, uh, yeah, that, that game. But yeah, it was funny to see that there were so many different versions and it is that thing of like games were dumbed down early on for the Japanese audiences. Like the Castlevania games were made easier for them as well. Right. <laughs> Oh, good topic right there. Speaking of Castlevania, mm-hmm. Netflix. Have you seen the uh, the show information? Well, I've seen the the trailer that they put out on Netflix. And I and mean, what do you think? Well, I'm I'm moderately excited. I'm glad that they've finally been able to put something to paper because that license has been floating around for years with all kinds of rumors of movies and actors tied to it and scripts being written and well now we finally have something like <laughs> but it's i have a problem that there, i have like a vision of what i want the story to be and it's never gonna come like they will never do it but i'm i Too am dark no i i want it to be kind of it's a little resident evil ish like and i think that would be its biggest flaw it'll play a little too close to the the movies, the RE series, because yeah. I want modern day Castlevania where people from modern day, this, this goes back to one of the um, Game Boy advanced games. It was the first one with the Soma, what's his name? Soma or Sora character. He ends up being like a descendant of Dracula. It's modern days. And he, the castle like appears and he gets sucked into it with his friends, whatever. But through the course of the game, you find handguns. Like there's literally a a nine millimeter pistol as a weapon. And then later on you get, I think there's like a a particle beam gun (laughs) that you get later in the game. (laughs) Like it's like an end game weapon, you know, but that like triggered something in me where this is what they need. And yes, there was like a reincarnation or not even, I think it was still Alucard was still alive because he's a immortal vampire. So he just shows up. He's rocking a sword and whip or whatever the hell he had. It's like, yes, that's, that's the story I want. Like a modern, a modern person, people fall into it. Say it's like a freaking, like an alien scenario. You get your space Marines. <laughs> And they run into Castlevania. Game like, over, man. Game over. Right. Like, why the hell not? That would be incredible. Because you've got the 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 twist of like, okay, here's all these heavily armed guys. Or here's some people with guns and stuff. And it does nothing because these are monsters. Well, here shows up like Alucard or a Belmont. And yeah, this is the vampire, vampire killer whip. Check this out. Like, Wouldn't that be kind of like, uh, what was it? Dracula 2000 or something oh, like that? Stop it. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dracula dead and loving it. Even better. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, Liam Neeson. Not Liam Neeson. God. Yeah. Uh, 
No. Oh, yeah, right. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Liam Nielsen would have handled it differently. Yes. He could still, I mean, why not? He could be in there. We'll make him the Belmont. Yeah. There you go. Oh, but yeah. Older, angrier, grittier hunter. Right. So uh, until we get that, I won't be satisfied completely. So I just have to get to a point where I can write and produce it myself someday. <laughs> but for now, I will accept this anime as uh, a middle ground. And I am. I am looking forward to seeing how it turns out because I mean, anime can do incredible things with the story that true film cannot. That so, is true. So, yeah, I do so look I'll forward to I'll put you it. down as a... Uh... Slightly optimistic. Yes. That's fair. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> Cautiously, yes. Oh, God. Man. So another one that I know isn't as big a deal for you because you're not, you haven't taken the the VR leap yet, but Fallout 4 VR should make an appearance. They've been talking it up through the course of the year that it's pretty far along. It is in development, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed, we do actually see something from that. You know, that is something I might make the jump to VR for. If if they pull I, it I, off. <laughs> yes. I will wait to hear reviews. I mean, is are they talking, what is it, the Steam, uh, is it the Vive? Well, I think they'll, they'll aim for broad compatibility. I have not heard a positive confirmation that it's going to be on PSVR. That's the thing that I'm really nervous about. But as far as PC, I'm sure it'll do Vive and Oculus, like almost without question. Do you think PSVR would be able to handle it? That's the issue. I don't know what they could push. That's an old engine though. So it could probably scale back pretty far. And that's, that's what it really takes is you just need to control your, your pipeline. And there's, there's lots yeah, of ways to do. cheat that. You, you crap out your resolution, you drop your, hopefully not your draw distance too bad in a, a game like that, but it, there, there are, there's tricks of the trade that they can, they can figure something out hopefully. But yeah, I don't have, again, kind of, kind of low hopes that it'll be a, a full release and compatibility with PSVR, unfortunately. But that's, yeah, that's as I said, that. That that might be enough to make me uh, jump in on, you know, a Vive or a uh, an Oculus. Yeah, I hope so. Because that, and then that leads to, like, Skyrim VR. If they can make it work in mm-hmm. Fallout, they can make it work in Skyrim. They can make it work in, what else? Uh, what else is Bethesda do? Grand okay. Theft Auto. Well, no. Oh, my God. That, like, right? that, that makes me want to get a Vive because there are mods out there already. There's not an official release. They've never even mentioned it, but oh my God, like that, that's, that's Dude, that VR would be the ultimate me. for VR. Right. Exactly. But it's again, I, I, it's, I, I don't, I can't even fathom what you would be able to do with that. <laughs> that, that would just be, it, yeah, it's too much. That, even Red Dead Redemption. Oh yeah. Like any of those open world games, like they're just perfect for it. But like we talked about, I think before we're, we're before we were recording, oh, words, um, <laughs> locomotion is still the biggest issue. So it's the actual on foot moving around part that jacks with people. Like it, it messed me up. Like I said, in Resident Evil, trying to play through in VR, like I could only go for maybe an hour and then I'd have to stop because I would get nauseous. And 
I don't know if it was like a tolerance that I could build up. I think it was because first time I played, it was near instant. And the second time I was able to get through like an hour of it. So I think you could build up cool. a tolerance of doing it over and over. But yeah, it's it's a rocky so road for sure. in six months, you might be able to play three hours worth. Right? Oh, no. <laughs> I already set that one back to Gamefly a long time ago. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But no, that's definitely looking forward to that. Um, and then just quickly to hit a couple of the new ones or the big ones for me. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, we mentioned. Like that, hopefully they show a lot more of. We already have the disappointment of them pushing it out to, what was it, like fiscal year 2018 already. So that's that's long gone. It's, but at least it's coming. At least they are... It's it's a real thing. We found that out, I don't know, middle of last year. They finally announced that they had mm-hmm. been working on it. It's like, oh, finally, thank God, because that's something literally everybody that played the first one is, like, salivating for. Just been waiting so long. Oh, yeah, because, God, I don't even know when the last one came out. It's got to be, like, pushing 10 years ago. <laughs> we got the Googles. Yeah, it's been a while. Let's see. Let's see. Red Dead Redemption. Nothing is better podcast content than Google and shit. Seven years ago, May 18th. Almost, almost to the day. May 18th, 2010. Yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good gap. It's like a tool album. What the hell? Uh, eh. <laughs> thousand hours. Right. The other one that I'm waiting for, there's a couple of other VR things that I'm really concerned with project cars two and gran turismo sport are both supposed to have vr support project cars on pc 100 percent. they have thrown shade on whether or not it's going to be in the psvr version or if there will be a psvr version because god knows why i i think there's too much going on in a simulator game, a simulator racing game, hardware wise, like data flow, there's so much going on with physics and AI and God mm-hmm. knows what else that there's just literally not enough hardware to push it through. So when we talk about GT Sport, they've already said it's going to be limited to a specific mode called VR Tour, which they have not explained, like what that actually means. I'm imagining knowing their their track record for stuff like this, it's going to be the most pared down, like there's five tracks you can drive with these four or five specific cars, and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be the full experience. And if, at a minimum, if they can give me just the main single-player kind of campaign, if you will, if I can do that in VR, perfect. I, I don't need online, like, necessarily. That would be an insane bonus at this point. But please, yeah. at least let me get the main core experience from it. Not some demo, again, like we talked about. It's Everything's turning into experiences instead of complete games. And that's that's a real, like, it's going to be one of the biggest shames of my life if, <laughs> if this is how everything shakes out. Uh. There's no experience worth $60 or however much the entire system costs plus that. Right. 
because that that's what you need to look at when it comes to VR. Like we talked about too, with, with setting up a PC to do it. It's like, it's not just getting the headset. No, you've got to get all the hardware and shit and video cards and, oh, God knows what else to, to be compatible with everything or to have the, the performance capability. But, oh, so now here I'm on the PS4 side where you can't do anything about it. It's just... It's like you can't even get a, a better video card or upgrade your processor. No, there's literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So, yeah, looking forward to a lot of frustration. <laughs> wow. Or disappointment. Yeah. Anyway. But, man. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's it. Like I said, just looking forward to being disappointed. <sighs> the life of a gamer. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what this is all about. <laughs> disappointment oh my and God. once in a while a bright spot right so i don't know the bright spot for this week as we wrap up um coming up after this we've got a little interview with will lewis from pig squad um, that's portland indie game squad here in portland they are an indie game community group type thing that set up events for local gamers and developers to get together and interact so a lot of cool stuff going on there. Um, for Matt himself, he's on Twitter at Matty Nasty. What is it? <laughs> big Big Matt Nasty with no A in the nasty. There you go. That sounds weird when I say it that way. Big Matt Nasty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's also part of the Adventure Club podcast. Adventure Club Podcast Network, V underscore ACPN. And they are also available on Facebook. They've got all their stuff on iTunes, right? Correct. Awesome. And Twitter. And Twitter. And probably SoundCloud. And SoundCloud too, yes. Hulu and Zune and Napster. And Netflix and <laughs> Prime. Well, good yeah, for yeah. them. But yeah. They're everywhere you want to be. Feel free to check out all of that stuff. And we will talk again soon, Mr. Matt. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, confession time. So when you get to the point in your life where you're going to start doing a podcast and go out and interviewing people, um, pro tip number one, make sure you turn on your microphone. So I went and met with Will. We had an awesome conversation, all of which I recorded his side of and not mine. So basically what I'm left with is some nice crisp audio of Will and some wackadoo in the background shouting from across the room as kind of an echo coming through. That's me. So I boosted what I could. I set like a limiter on it. So hopefully it doesn't blow out your eardrums, but I think you'll get the gist of it. It's not the best recording now because I'm an idiot, but hey, it's something. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jason, and I'm hanging out today with Will Lewis, one of the founders of Pig Squad. Thanks for having me over. Thanks for setting up some time to chat. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to start, of course, with the 500-pound cube pig in the room. <laughs> what is Pig Squad? 
So the Portland Indie Game Squad is a game development community, and we provide a lot of resources and networking opportunities for people who want to come together and make games. So that includes hosting lots of events where we're teaching people how to use 3D animation software or even just super simple tools that you know 10-year-olds can use. Uh, we do lots of game jams where people come together and make games together in a super condensed period of time. We do screenings and host talks and have networking events and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Um, I've been to personally a few of them now. Like we had the the movie screening screening of the the indie right uh, us in the game industry. industry. I almost wore that shirt that shirt today. Yeah, no, that was good. That was like it was a good counter balance to um, indie game mm-hmm. for me because between the two of them that's kind of like the brighter side of it right where indie game is like the dark like yeah that's the that's the drama side of yeah. it kind of thing I really like us in the game industry I like the people that they talk to it's a little dated um, not in not only in content but just in a little bit of kind of worldview I guess yeah. Um even though every you know indie game development is still very about very much about like finally people have access and all this other kind of stuff, there's even more that's happened since then. So it's not that indie gaming just started. Right. It's always literally yeah. since computers existed, that's what indie gaming is. Okay. Right. Blizzard's first title was an indie game. You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> However you want to say that. <laughs> right. Game. Was just a scientist who had some free time. Exactly. Is what spectral analyzers are. Yeah. It's it's a, a crazy thing, and it is. It's all about the access now. Mm-hmm. When you talk about tools like Unity mm-hmm. and the just the the volume of free right. assets and tools there are out there, it's it's insane to imagine. And just go back in time and tell somebody that that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, five years, ten years, like no, you, you blow people's minds. That's right. <laughs> they they burn you for being a heretic. Yep. <laughs> so with these, um, what if, what are some of your favorites? A favorite what? Favorite, favorite events. <laughs> oh, some of my favorite events. Um, a lot of our game jams are super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I like to try to set time aside for myself to make a project or something right. like that, it never really works because every half hour I'm getting up to check on teams and get food for everybody and all those kinds of things. Our drink and draws are super fun. Yes. I really like having a bunch of people out. They uh, they draw kind of fan art of all the games that are on display in this mm-hmm. big kind of like expo setting. Yeah. So that one's really fun fun um Talent talks are super fun too. That one's nice because you we curate a couple of people who want to give uh, a little talk that's a little bit longer than a lightning talk kind of thing. Yeah. So they say I'm going to talk for ten minutes about audio and games, or I'm going to talk for ten minutes about running a game community, or something like that. Nice. Yeah. And those are super fun because we get to talk to a lot of different people. We record it all, and people like to watch it afterwards. Oh, yeah. uh, the the Q and A is always super fun. So yeah. No, that's that's kind of one of the, the broader goals with this, with these interviews, is, mm-hmm. is getting that kind of insight. So right. definitely right in that vein. Um, how, like for myself, I've I've been to a couple. I volunteered when you guys had the beta comp booth set up. Mm-hmm. How can people get involved and help out? What kind of ways? Yeah, because there are a lot. Of All right. Ways. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, um, just going to pigsquad.com and seeing what events are available, or if we have any calls to action on the front page of the website. A vast majority of our events are free and open to the public, so it's. Uh, 
I'll, I'll also say that they're structured well so that people can come in and not feel lost. Uh, we do a pretty good job of approaching new people to tell them what's going on and how they can get involved. Uh, even our even our general networking meetup, you know, a lot of those are open to anybody to come in and just start conversations. But we understand that that's difficult, <laughs> so we do lots of uh, activities where we're making sure that people are comfortable speaking with each other, or we can make introductions. Or we can even just say, yep, no one will frown at you if you bring your laptop and do work in yeah. the middle of this networking event. And then people just go up and introduce each other. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a good way of going about it, I think. Yeah, because that's definitely one of the things with this community is that there are a lot of social anxieties just built mm -hmm. with it. And everybody, there's a full spectrum of how open and how restricted you might be. Right. And that's one of the things that is, through experience with it, it's one of the most comfortable environments I've ever been in. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's great. I mean, everybody is there for the same reason. Mm -hmm. You know it walking through the door, and it's like you just have this, like, weight lifted off of you. Right. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, it is hard for some people to come to their first one sometime, though, because they. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we we're getting more and more pictures up on the website and stuff, mm -hmm. but still seeing, seeing, you know, oh, that's, that's kind of how it looks. It's still tough to actually do it. So there's, uh, there's also lots of online ways in which people can get involved. We have a Slack channel and a Facebook and our Twitter is super active, so we really like starting conversations there. Yeah. And we're actually in the middle of a pledge drive right now where we're raising money for the funding or for the uh, for funding the nonprofit because uh, Pig Squad's a nonprofit, and that's uh, another way that people can support and help. Uh, in addition to yep, yeah, patreoncom squad is a great way to do that, and we also have things where you can donate through Amazon Smile or shopping at Fred Meyer or any of those kinds of things. Great Pretty cool, yeah. Anything to make it easier for people. Yep. Yeah. Especially with like the Fred Meyer one, I saw that. That was that was amazing. Yep. Just gotta proc all those passive abilities, dude. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, with that, the the Patreon, we've also got the T-shirt still going. Yes. How, when does that run through? So that'll run through June 7th. Okay. If somebody yeah, if somebody backs our Patreon at the $12 plus level, then they'll get a t-shirt for free as their perk at the end of the month. Or uh, they won't get them at the end of the month, but yeah, that'll right. that'll that'll get you in. Because yeah, it's a pre-order. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, through the 7th, we'll still have pre-orders on the website. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Okay. What was coming. Um, and it's really cool because it's a an amalgamation of all the different games that people have kind of worked on. Right, yeah, there's uh, yeah, a lot of people that have that have come out to events and shown their stuff off, or games that were made at game jams, or any of those kinds of things. We yeah. asked a bunch of creators to see if they liked their character in the in the shirt, and that how, that's how it turned out, and it was super fun. And it turned out rad. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Totally awesome. And Cube Pig right in the center right. and everything. Uh, that's, that's one of the big things, too, is you guys nailed it with the branding. Right. Because Pig Squad, Portland Indie Game Squad. I mean, it's just everything. It's it's gold from the start. Yep, it just starts out that way. Yeah, I mean, it was funny when I was first coming up with the name. I thought Pig is obvious, and yeah. it's like, oh, cool. There's lots of branding opportunities with that. Uh, but I was thinking, like, eh, if it's like Pig C, because it's like Pig uh, Portland Indie Game Community or something like that. I was just like, nah, let's use a word and then yeah. and then tail it off with that. So that's, that's awesome. how Pig Squad came about. Yeah, because branding is super important. Oh yeah, you got to have something memorable and that's like with starting this thing out 
the the well-adjusted gamer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's for me. It's a funny pun. It's a funny play. On right. Like, like, of course, like every gamer is quote unquote well-adjusted. Right. But, <laughs> but then I've got wag now. Yep. It's, right. It, again, to, to me, it's just hilarious. It means almost nothing and but it's one of those things that just it'll stick it'll stick yep yeah it's like people at work of course i've told every single person i come across about it and that's what sticks out right they can't remember what it stands for Mm -hmm. but you remember that so definitely nailed it with pig Mm -hmm. and then with cute pig your mascot now it's it's just perfect yeah yeah that's been there since the beginning too we had a couple of people and they were just like six to ten people in pig squad Mm -hmm. uh one of our friends came up with that and it's just like well that's an easy decision yeah no totally (laughs) awesome what got you started with video games did you grow up with them like yeah yeah kirby's adventure on nes yeah man so that's not too late that's good because I've talked to people already that I mean were born into like PlayStation houses. Right. I was gonna say I remember I remember the first time I was sitting with uh, with a kid at a it was like a college event or something like that, and mm-hmm. he was talking about how his first game was Halo, and I was just like, ugh. <laughs> like it's it's bittersweet because it's like uh, it sucks that you never had to like feel the pain, but right. at the same time you're so spoiled. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the turn of the century for modern games. Well, it's also interesting that a lot of people don't have that memory of some of the older ones too you know Mm -hmm. nostalgia is such a big thing and you can see it coming back in indie games too where we were we were just at an event the other night showing people or just kind of having a mini expo of games and we were talking about uh, how yeah this game strafe over here like came out last week and it just looks like uh just looks like doom kind of thing like an an older doom and they were just like what like why are people doing this kind of thing and i was just like well you know like they said oh yeah is it because it's cheaper and i was like kind of and in some ways but also it's exactly just that nostalgia factor and um that's an interesting thing. A lot of people have a lot to say about that. Yeah, it's definitely it's 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 there's a division there because one of the guys I used to work with said exactly that. Like I showed him something like Shovel Knight, mm-hmm. and his reaction was, "Why are they doing this? Right? Like, why are we going backwards mm-hmm. in game design? It's like, are you crazy? Like this this is the pinnacle." Of what we were playing 2030. So that's, I mean, Shovel Knight is a great example of that because it does so well, uh, not only showing the look off, but it shows the mechanics off in a very interesting way. And it is definitely kind of an amalgamation of lots of different little successes that happened over many, many years. Um, it's fun to just, yeah, uh, if you've played Castlevania and Kirby's Adventure and Mega Man, Mega Man and everything like right. that, and you watch it, and you can just call out the little references oh, yeah. as they go by. Um, mm-hmm. But you're not just calling them out and seeing them like you're playing them. It's yeah. pretty cool. But it's it's one of those things, from, from my experience with it and, and my kind of perspective, it's we have the hardware now. I mean, obviously, that's nothing for a computer, right. modern console sure. or anything to run now. But when, I mean, basically, with consoles, historically, Every game that comes out on it is pushing the limits of the hardware. Yeah. Always. Well, now if you can backtrack a couple generations and make something that's 
900% right. better True. than what you were physically possible or capable of doing mm-hmm. back then. Like that, to me, is amazing. Well, I also think it's interesting that a lot of people talk about uh, hitting on platformers and stuff like that, too, because it's just like, because video games are one of the media, one of the like only mediums that explores something from a, like a, the entire world is viewed from a from the side perspective. Yeah. Um, like hieroglyphs are like one of the yeah. only other things. Right. <laughs> um, just books. Sure. Those things they talk about. Right. <laughs> but I think that's kind of cool. Um, oh, yeah. I like I like that people you know people are practicing their craft and they're uh, expanding the uh, content of their medium and all yeah. that other kind of stuff. Well, and it's one of those things of perspective again, where if you. I want to say truly appreciate art. You one of the first things you understand is the medium doesn't matter. Right. It's like you don't hate on people for doing pen and paper. Right. Uh, some people do. Yeah. But no, I understand. Yeah. A piece of charcoal and a piece of paper. Yeah. Like you're you're crazy if you if you kind of piss on something like that. Right. When it comes to game design, it's it's just. I don't know. It was automatic for some people. So yeah. Right. It's weird. Um, from there, kind of what what games? Because the other project that you have, kind of running alongside Pig Squad, was Rose City Games, mm-hmm. and part of that was actual game development right. itself. So, what kind of things inspired you as a gamer to kind of say like, I want to make this someday? Like, yeah, I don't know exactly. Um, I would draw lots when I was when I was super young. I would draw lots of like my own level designs for like Kirby or Donkey Kong or something like that. And I would do like a lot of mazes and drawings and all that other kind of stuff. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I had a lot of uh, Z-Bots, um, Micro Machine Z-Bots. Um, they're super cool. They're like five point of articulation, one to two inch tall action figures, but they're all like original IP kind of thing. So there's, oh man, they're so awesome. I have, I have so many of them. Um, but that was like my jam when I was little. And I would draw like pictures of Z-Bots that I had made in a Kirby level and like all that other kind of stuff. So I'd always wanted to make video games. (laughs) Right. Oh man, that's awesome. I've never had like that kind of inspiration for it. That's why I do like hearing where it comes from right. and, and what triggered it. Because for me, it was just sculpting and drawing mm-hmm. always. And it would be, I remember one of my early ones was like Batman and Predator. Right. For whatever reason, I put those two together and I still don't know. I'm surprised they haven't made a movie a, least, called Batman versus and, Predator. Yeah, yeah, there's gotta be a comic <laughs> though, right? That's one of those easy times. I think they would have done that. Uh, yeah, it's a Dark Horse in DC. Might not, might not play well together. You never know. I know. I know. <laughs> yes, we have. That's and that's one of the things. I mean, now they're they're starting to see that they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Yes. Doing these crossovers. Sure, it's super interesting. Yeah, because I mean, stuff like um, X Men and the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. where now you've got. I mean, not X-Men specifically, but how you have Sony that owns a bunch of I was just about to say it's a Sony, yep. Yeah, and then Marvel Studios that finally came back and said, oh, shit, we're missing out. Yep. So now you get at least Spider-Man and Iron Man crossing over. Right. Uh, hopefully we're opening the door to a lot of bigger, better things. Mm-hmm. There is. There, there's so many crossovers that happened at some point. And right. I don't know. Maybe someday they'll translate to video games. It already has in a lot of ways. Yeah. You've got, Smash Bros. is like yeah. the best example, yeah. Right. And... and just crazy examples of that one, like, mm-hmm. like Snake in Melee. Yep. 
why? Right. Just because, I mean, the only connection I have is NES and then Twin Snakes. Sure. Well, I think it was also, that was like... That was Hal's exit from the Super Smash Brothers series. So I think they were looking to do something crazy with Brawl and bring in... That's when they brought in Sonic and Snake. And yeah. I think I think around that time was Sonic was more, more and more going in the like proprietary Nintendo direction kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they have the Mario and Sonic Olympic games. Right, yeah. Did you see they even have an arcade version? Yeah, I have seen that. Mm-hmm. It's like you run on a treadmill. Yeah. Crazy stuff. It's like, what's the NES one? Um, track and track field. field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there is no pencil trick on that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually physically got to do it. Yep. That's, oh, that's crazy. Um, when did it kind of, when did game design kind of turn into a career goal from that? Um, well, I mean, I'd always wanted to do it through, like, high school and everything like that, too. Uh, I went to college for film um, because there wasn't really anything accessible uh, in the area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cost-wise or distance-wise, and I wanted to hang out here. Um, but I was also big into animation, so I thought, yeah. cool, like, that all fits. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, film's a collaborative process in yeah. a very similar way. It's a storytelling medium, all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I started community organizing for film development groups uh, in Portland. And then I kind of strayed away from it a little bit and thought, like, well, from these community organizing experiences that I've gained from doing it with film groups, I bet a lot of people would like that for video games. Yeah. So I started PixWeb. <laughs> awesome it, it's it's a there's a thing about being creative and collaboration and the way the two work together mm-hmm. it's just it's automatic yeah and it is it's just it's finding the right group to kind of carry the momentum mm-hmm. because that's 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 probably the biggest hurdle to it like yes there's lots of groups out there besides distance physical distance right. i had that same problem that's why i ended up up here yeah in that's a big central, deal yeah in the central valley of california you've got San Francisco, it's two hours away, mm-hmm. which is a mecca for tons of things. In LA, that's like right. six hours. South. It's also meccas for traffic, too, so exactly. it makes it even more of a it's, travel. Yeah. yeah, it's a mecca for literally everything. Yeah. yeah. So when I started looking at like other areas, we wanted to stay on the West Coast and we wanted to stay in nice weather, and that's where North, the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. came. And first, we were looking at Seattle, which is basically. San Francisco North at this right. point. So that was that fell out of question and then Portland it's like, well this is better. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 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 like a happy medium between kind of the, the rural life mm-hmm. more or less used to because I my grandparents own a big plot right. of land and farm it and everything mm-hmm. and grew up in kind of like a, a suburb type city that didn't have anything. To now here we're out in Gresham and it's like the same thing. Yeah, it's like a, a little bit bigger version of the city we came from. With I don't know, Portland's kind of an equivalent from my experience of like Sacramento mm-hmm. with a little bit of San Francisco sprinkled. Sure, because I mean it is. It's, it's yeah, that's that, not, that makes sense. It's got like a small town vibe, mm-hmm. but still a big city. Right, and it never ends. Like whatever direction you drive, unless you go towards the hills, mm-hmm. it's like you just drive and drive and drive. Like hit division and go east. Right. You're driving through town, mm-hmm. city stuff for an hour. Yep, so, totally. Yeah, totally. Well, Sacramento. unfortunately, now I hope nobody listens to this because then they'll want to move here. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> it's absolutely miserable. It's stupid. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because uh, the weather is a, a critical component to it. And Yeah, so that's true. People, a lot of people don't like the rain. No. <laughs> Trust me, it's been like, what was it? 
there was some crazy number on the news where it was like over 200 days mm-hmm. without a, a like dry day. Yeah. And I mean, for me, perfect, but for 90% of everybody else, yeah. no. Nope. <laughs> you're you're going to get sick of that after a month. Yeah. <laughs> but that whole kind of influx, I mean, how does already you have to have been seeing kind of signs and growth in the industry of like well, that was uh, Cave Story was what did it. Cave Story yeah. is like when when Pixel released that solo and you could download it from the oh, Japanese okay. website and yeah. and yeah and translate it. Um, like that was there were there were a couple of articles that were coming out about just like what are indie games and like why not necessarily you know um, like oh yeah it's a new thing but it's kind of like it's a new thing in that like we're about to hit a new wave and check out this game it's called Cave Story yeah um, so I think and I think that was one of the things I don't I actually don't know the timeline of when I played Cave Story and like Charles Barkley Shut Up and Gem Gaiden and a bunch of those other games. Um, uh, in relation to uh, when I started Pig Squad, um, I, I think I think it was like straight up before I I started Pig Squad. Yeah. I, I played those games, and then I was like, okay, like this is the this kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's how it worked. Um, but then Tig Source was there, and that was like that was how I got my fix of a bunch of those different things, all those recommendations. But yeah. that was that's pre Humble Bundle. That was pre. Oh, yeah. Um, it was pre a lot of stuff. So I might think back to it. I mean, it was like Flash games. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. That's, that's yeah, Newgrounds. Yeah. Newgrounds. I'd been into since like very early high school, and I would make animations and. Um, yeah, that was, and tried to make some games and stuff like that, but it was hard to collaborate remotely, so that was one of the other reasons that I just thought, like, oh yeah, Pixwad would be good, because I wasn't able to make a game with somebody uh, remotely, because they live in the Philippines, and once the World Cup hits, he's gone, so that actually happened. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I thought, yeah, let's let's make that kind of thing happen for everybody, but I was able to solo through, like, animations and stuff like that, so... Um, kind of maintain that creativity and then see what everybody else was up to, too. Yeah, I always forget to, to recommend Newgrounds, because, I mean, even I got my start with stuff with um, voice acting and podcasting. Mm-hmm. That's where I first got my first big kind of pushes on it and real feedback. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The hardest thing to get doing anything creative as far as I'm mm-hmm. It's always feedback. Unless you're in Pig Squad. In Pig Squad. <laughs> That's another thing people really like about Pig Squad is show your game off and just hear from all these people that you would never... Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, to quote, I think multiple different people saying just like, yeah, otherwise I'd just be working on this in my basement. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And, I mean, that's that's one of the, the first lessons, too, for anybody that is working on stuff is you've got to get it out there. Yep. As hard as it is, and, I mean... Through experience, you never really get the bad feedback that you're fearing right. so much. For and sure, it's giving you like such a, a vapor lock. Like mm-hmm. you got it, got to get out and do it. And I mean, you guys are proof of that because every event that I've gone to, everybody that I talk to, it's everybody is just blown away by how open and nice right. everything is. And there is no vicious like, oh, this is garbage. Yeah. No, like there's none of that. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, you got to get out there. And of course, there's going to be exceptions. I'm sure there's pockets of places and people that, I mean, I haven't experienced any here, but who knows in other markets and stuff, there could be 
dark sides to it. Right. Oh, yeah. Always. No light without the dark. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, you still have to give it a shot. And, I mean, one of the things, too, is there's, uh, you know, there's not a lot of, like, garbage coming out of people that are coming out to stuff because they're kind of like-minded and they listen to each other's feedback, which is super important. And they're putting in enough effort to recognize that, like, oh, yeah, like, if I'm going to make this, if I'm going to spend this long, like, learning how to make games, like, let's make something worthwhile. Um, we can make we can make something that's stupid and an inside joke and or any of those other kinds of things to, like, practice. Or maybe I just want to, like, go all in on something really stupid, but it'll be polished. Like, it'll, be, it'll look cool and play well, even if people don't understand it. That, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Right. And, but that's experience, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, period. Right. That's, that's the most important thing, and, and again, with the creative arts. Yep. Yeah, just a lot of that effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to keep doing it. And, and that's that's one of the goals of this, this podcast, too, is to figure out what those repeated kind of scenarios and lessons are. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like starting the whiteboard list. Right. Uh, these are the things. And putting hash marks next to them because there's going to be those top ten mm-hmm. in every single person. Yeah, definitely. So it, it is. It's That's a big goal with this is to kind of nail that down as as a roadmap for anybody mm-hmm. that's considering it and, you know, those, those common lessons. Because, um, like we said, there's a lot of apprehension. So Yeah, for sure. Anything that can help people feel comfortable when getting into doing it. Um, with all the new technology like VR and mm-hmm. AR, we were just talking about how pixel games are still huge. And right. Even like a retro Doom style game. Or, or you can works. even, yeah, you can even look at the crossovers where it's just like, yep, you're looking at, looking at pixel people in VR. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, where, where do you see the biggest movement or is it completely just that global sweep that everything's going crazy at the same time? Right. I, I definitely think it's everything's going crazy at the same time, mm-hmm. but they're just introduced at different points. I don't think something's ever going to like take over for quite a while. Because okay. um, pixel art in indie games, like like I said, with, with Cave Story, mm-hmm. you know, five five years ago, five and a half years ago, whenever that came out. Oh, God, more. That was, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like 10 or so. You think so? I think so. Mm, okay. I, I was still, God, I'm trying to think of the first time I played it because it was on PC. And mm-hmm. it was like you said, it's downloaded and put the patch in. Right. So that was, so that's super emblematic of uh, just like what you said about it being a PC game. Like that was a big deal because at that time PCs could handle way more than that. Oh, yeah. And so it was definitely a, a very conscious throwback mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think games like that really paved the way for everybody else to not only just do it, but very consciously uh, position themselves to do it in an interesting way. Yeah. So I think that's a good example of how something started, but it de- never really died. <laughs> like it's still going, uh, and I think VR is going to be the same way. Like over the last two or three years, every every game conference and every tech conference, they're just like, "Yep, next year it's going to be VR," and it never was. It was always VR hype without any uh, backbone to it. And I think I was just going to say now is about when everything's finally popping off because we've got Oculus and Vive and PSVR all competing. Um, which is super interesting because they all have their own strengths and they all belong in the marketplace. Uh, Personally, I've had the most experience now with PSVR and I think that that's that's gonna be like the the quote-unquote winner for a little bit because of 
the cost for one, right. and then the kind of console hook it, console tie-in yeah. is the other one, because yeah, that's where a lot of people expect to be playing their games. Right, it's, everybody has, I mean, most every household has a PC. Not every household plays on it. Or has a PC that can handle a vibe. <laughs> that's the thing, if you get, yeah, if you get, um, we were, Corey and I were just talking about this the other day, if you get a, PSVR. If you want to be like PSVR ready, including your game, including if you just want to like buy a TV, like if you yeah. want to buy a display and stuff, it's like twelve hundred bucks for a Vive ready or Oculus ready computer plus the unit. It's like twenty five hundred bucks, and you got to know something about it. Right. Like in a lot of cases, I don't want to be shopping for a computer and saying like, oh, I'm worried about if it's gonna run the next gen or if it's gonna run this game that I already have that I accidentally bought because I thought my com- my old computer could run it. You know, that stuff's a nightmare. So to be able to package it like that and yeah, whatever resolutions downgraded, who cares? Uh, go get the PS4 pro. Um, but to, to be able to have that like all in one box and just be like plug and play, like people, a lot of people don't want to learn about that stuff. It's, and that's fine. They just want to play their game. Yeah. Cause it is, it's, it's user friendly. It's, I mean, it's something that kind of, do the, the, I want to say grandma test. Right, for sure. It's like, could grandma do this? Yep. Could, could she go down to the store, pick this up, bring it home, and get it to work? Mm-hmm. And probably not. So maybe mom? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, just just up at a generation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go, go one generation back. Would they be able to figure this out in an afternoon? Right. And yeah, with the PC, no, no chance now. Yeah, because you got drivers and you got yeah. uh, updates and firewalls to turn off, and it's just right. like, shut up. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe hit on the niche that all. It's a niche that probably doesn't exist, but it could still. It's do you start selling then a bundle for PC right. VR where you say, here's a tower, here's a headset, here's a couple of games, all guaranteed to mm-hmm. and be good for at least a year. Right. <laughs> There are companies that are doing that right now, um, especially like uh, processor chip companies are like looking at how to implant their devices into something that's affordable, but at the same time, everyone's pissed off because they wanted to make that money um, on the on the beefier PCs. But uh, I think. I don't know. I think that's hard because that's a lot of brands working together too. That's like, you know, Intel working with this case, working with uh, EA, which nobody wants to work with, uh, working with Oculus, you know, like that's, that's another thing that just ties it all together. It's just Sony's just like, yep, all in one, like A to Z. Um, I think people will do that. And there, it's interesting how a lot of people have like recommended in blogs, just like, yep, there's these, these are your, this is your shopping list if you want to make this thing happen. But at the same time, there's still a lot of reticence around just like, yeah, but did I make the right choice? Um, will this next thing that I really want be supported and all that yes. kind of stuff? Yeah. Welcome to the life of a gamer. Yeah, right. I'm a nerd of any capacity, really, because there's always the next best thing around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like anything, any hobby, anything we do. Totally. Yeah, I just get pissed off when I... I mean, PC is the one where you can you can get a really cool game and then another one will come out in a week and it's out of date. At least at least you get a good, you know, four to six year window with a console. Yeah, yeah with hardware, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever is for sale today is already obsolete. I mean, right. whatever they're working on, by the time you receive the thing you ordered, it's going to be out and your thing's going to be half the price. Totally. <laughs> so it is, there's, there's a lot of guilt built into it. Yeah, there the is. Remorse, that whole thing. That's where I always liked, and you don't get it with, um, 
with the, the PC at all, but with console too. I loved reselling and upgrading. Mm -hmm. I had every version of the PSP, but I never kept one. Right. I'd always sell it. I keep my stuff. Yeah. I can't do it. Well, yeah. I, I do have all my <laughs> right. I've, I've got like a PS1, two PS2s, two PS3s, mm -hmm. and a PS4 <laughs> still all like hanging around. Right. In addition to like the Nintendo SNES mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But no old PCs. Right. I have my oh, sure. studio right. tower and my laptop and my other old laptop. That's it. Yep. Those things do not stick around. and they. But then they don't get resold either. Yeah. And you kind of just recycle them, mm -hmm. pull the hard drive, and that's it. Yep. If I can bury all of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> then, oh, God. So this is where the well-adjusted gamer thing comes in. <laughs> um, at my apartment back when I was like 20, one of my PCs got the gravity burial off the, mm -hmm. the second floor. So yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was that, like, because it was, a, it was a, like an e-machines, so you couldn't upgrade it. Right. And I was trying for weeks to try to get a video card to work, and there's supposed to be dip switches that were literally not there. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> physical dip switches, too, like in this day and age. But, yeah, I, I finally had enough, and my buddies were there, and of course there were adult beverages involved. That's right. Yeah, it, it took and it was there. fun. Yeah, was, the last the last game. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So when you like talking about the game development, mm -hmm. I think you said before that you did release at least one or two, right? Or have you? So I did some I did some uh, level design and writing for Monster State My Birthday Cake, okay. which is a Cartoon Network published game, and that went to PC and mobile. Awesome. And uh, so I did a little bit of work on that, and then, oh man, we did we did marketing support for Headmaster yeah, when that, that, when that, that launched on the PSVR. That's what I love about like the dynamic of what you guys do, like mm -hmm. anything and everything. Oh yeah, we're working on a board game right now, we're working on an AR like corporate expo showcase project, like yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> that's, that's another one of those whiteboard things is right. you, you can't be one dimensional. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's the rare cases of course, there, there's always exceptions, but for the most part you have to do a lot of things and maybe find your niche from that mm -hmm. or just continue to do sure yeah uh, there's there's a lot of niche stuff that can happen because um, we do we do the pdx pop-up arcade too yeah. and we go to you know like weddings and expos and big events and set up yeah, yeah. set up vr for people or um classic arcade cabinets any of those kinds of things so uh that's one thing that we've definitely we've definitely found a niche but um it's not our main thing, so we're yeah. still doing all kinds of stuff. Right. No, you guys are. I mean, it is. There's, there's so much. Yeah, there's a lot, there's there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's awesome. What an awesome time and an awesome problem to have. Right. But that's that's kind of the thing, too, with, with all the, the influx. I feel like my, my kind of prediction for the area is that, and I've heard already that the real estate is kind of plateaued, mm -hmm. but with all the money kind of coming into town, that does, it's one of those rising tide raises all ships scenarios. Right. Where hopefully that means there's more money to potentially be thrown around on investments and sure. getting more projects to a, a higher point of release mm -hmm. and quality and all of that. Right. That, I mean, it's a, a bittersweet thing. You're like, yeah, there's not going to be anywhere to park in town, but it's going to be a great place to park. Right. So, <laughs> that kind of trade off. And hopefully we get some kind of local government that figures some of that shit out. Yeah, basically. right. But and that's that's kind of the, the reality I see. How do you feel about kind of 
in general, like where the city is going. Yeah, well, I mean, there's only there's only so many parking spots and there's only so many lanes that a highway can have, just the way everything's developed, you know? You look up, uh, just going up Grand from uh, Gladstone or something like that, mm-hmm. and no way the highway's gonna get an extra lane, because one, there's train tracks right next to it, two, there's residential, and there, you know, the, it just goes on and on and on. Right. And there's, um, doesn't matter anyways, because it feeds right onto a bridge or a bypass or something like that Everybody that just does. dumps right down to two lanes anyways. Yes. So, yeah, it's going to get crazy. But um, there's there's a fair amount of public transportation and a lot of the big tech companies that are moving in or the, the city that is OHSU. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of the employees there um, have they have parking garages so at least they don't have to take up the streets there yes. or they're all encouraged to use bikes and that's another very uh, biking is a pretty Portland safe thing to do so well if there's I don't know not really a great place for it but like the hyperloop type of technology where we're getting back to tunnels and right. smaller vehicles traveling in new and unique ways this is definitely a place for that. Right. Like when you're talking about putting tunnels in under LA and doing a subway again and everything down there, it's like, yeah, earthquake. Yeah, right. Up here, it's. Well, we're due for one too, but. So I don't know. Like for me, it seems like that's the better investment is. Yeah, well, they got the. uh, Working on it. Yeah, well, they got the. that one bridge, I don't remember the name of the bridge. It's the only bridge I don't know about. It's uh, south of south of Ross Island, mm-hmm. but that's the uh, the bike and pedestrian bridge oh, yeah, that was yeah. just put up. Right. And then uh, I know they floated and retrofitted the Selwood Bridge for earthquake purposes oh, and all that other kind of stuff. So and then redoing the Morrison for other reasons. Oh God, yeah. That's ridiculous. I want to use that road. Oh my God. Um, the other thing that it's crazy unique about the area with in terms of the the public transit is the the gondola or whatever you want to call it yeah the uh the, like the sky tram whatever yeah, you want to call it it's literally the only one that i've ever seen mm-hmm. in america right that is for commuting yeah it's not just a tourist trap like, right it has an actual purpose like yeah oregon city's got one uh, or a, a spectacle like that too yeah. it's got the just the municipal elevator that goes from main street up to midtown yeah. and uh people could just call it a, call it a vertical street and it's like one of six in the world where it's just right. like yep and a big outdoor elevator for anyone that's, that's crazy yeah that's it's pretty interesting so, <laughs> um what else because, yeah, the city is just going crazy. And, and, yeah, with the highways and everything, that's hopeless. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, it's it's bringing in and changing the market. And money's good for a lot of things. It's it's bad, too. But at the same time, I mean, it, it, it makes things possible. So right. hopefully there's, there's, there is that silver lining and it's big enough and broad enough for everybody. That, yeah. You know. But, yeah. So much to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry to take it a, a dour turn. That's right. <laughs> um, what kind of concepts have you seen locally or beyond that are wholly unique that we've not seen from the mainstream that indie game has helped kind of breed and foster? Right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting VR stuff going on. Like that's you know just because it's so it's still so new. There's 
pretty much most VR games that you make are going to explore things in different ways. There's a tech demo. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, but the game jams, that's where a lot of that comes into, where people get uh, a really fun opportunity to just kind of like uh, take a take a low-stakes time investment mm -hmm. and make an entire project. It's a pretty wild thing. Uh, a couple of the games that came out recently, there was like this big like dodgeball with robots game. You saw that one, the, the Stop Them. And uh, Shauna had her fencing game, uh, which is super cool like a lot of uh, and that one looks tech demo-y but you can tell that there's like every time every time that game comes out you can tell that there's a couple little new details being added to it and polishes coming in um but we're really excited for this summer. Um, we do, uh, this will be our third year that we've done summer slow jams. Yeah. And so those are game jams, but instead of doing them in 48 hours time, we do them over the course of like a week or more, and hence slow yeah. jams. Oh, what, what's the setup like with that? Is you have a common space set up where everybody kind of just Ish. Ish. So there's, so we've got, it's more of an event structure where we're doing one event to kick it off and then one event to close it out. So, uh, for example, next month, uh, we're going to meet an, on a Friday, I believe. Yeah, we'll meet up on a Friday and just for the evening and we'll help people who don't have team members to find other team members and deliver the theme, the creative theme, and have a couple of our friends do a couple of talks on just on the topic. And then people get together and brainstorm and then they go home and then it's up to them to work remotely or meet at coffee shops or bars or anything like that and hash out a game and the ending event is where we just come out and everybody shows them off yeah, so yeah and then we do um, on August 16th I believe either 16th or 19th I forget um, we're doing like a summer wide one where just anybody who did any of the summer slow jams gets to show their game off awesome and uh Speaking of like weird games that nobody's ever seen before, uh, that's a lot of what we do with our Summer Slow Jams themes. So last year, or I guess I should preface it with, uh, the way we do it is each jam has a technical theme that people know about way ahead of the jam okay. so that they can kind of plan ahead and be like, what kind of game and what kind of technology am I going to use? All those kinds of things. So like last year, some of the technical themes were like cooperative game or make a tabletop game or uh, this year, June is make a gadget. So either like gamify a tool or uh, make a game using weird like hardware or something like that. Okay. Uh, July is performance. So make a game that you can play on stage with audience feedback. Uh, that also directly ties into Twitch. Okay. So yeah. make a Twitch game where yeah. people in the chat can influence the game that you're playing. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, August is VR or AR. So those will be super fun. And everybody knows those themes already. So that's, yeah, just it's pigsquad.com slash summer slow jams. All the details are up there. Awesome. And we give like examples of kinds of games because those, yeah. the, well, just as your question suggests, those are weird themes that you can't really, yeah, you can't label, label too many games a gadget or a performance game yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. kind of to get people thinking. Yeah. And then, um, Every month during the opening events, we have a creative theme that's delivered. And if people are backing our Patreon, they get to suggest and then vote on what the creative theme is. So like... Uh, the one that I always remember, because it paired well, it was really cool, was last year, uh, 
the summer slow jam where the theme was uh, cooperate make a cooperative multiplayer game the theme that was voted on for uh, the creative aspect was best friend best weapon so a lot of people made games where like one player was super small and the other one was defending them like a big robot that was defending them uh, one of them was where uh, a, a like mobster was trying to shake down a store and they were they were tiny and couldn't do any physical damage but the other player was the was the muscle so that they had to go do it um, ones where like I mean uh, I guess uh, Transistor is a good example yeah. that would follow the creative theme of best friend, best woman, yeah, right. uh, uh, very literally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that'll that'll be really fun, and that's that's where a lot of the weird stuff comes from yeah. is the game jams. That's awesome. Did um, Res Please come out of that? Because that sounds exactly. I like don't that. think Res Please came out of a game jam. I know I don't. I think they were working on it before we had the cooperative multiplayer okay. jam. Yeah, I mean, that, that yeah. Oh yeah, it totally fits. Yeah, it's funny how you can like retrofit a theme sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it shows that it's it's not so alien. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's. A lot of people are like really having trouble thinking about just like ga- like what what is a gadget game and so I, I put up a bunch of examples like Habitica um, is a project management software but every time you complete stuff you get coins and experience points and stuff like that okay. so therefore it's a game yeah. um, or like uh, I think it's called Zombies Run um, that uses your pedometer and there's a lot of gameplay elements where you can cash in your your steps and all that other kind of stuff so it's a Another good example of a, a tool that is gamified. Right, yeah. No, and I mean, when you start talking about stuff like that, like productive side, like apps that, that right. hurt. Exactly. That, especially with the zombie runs, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that starts clicking all kinds of thoughts into place, like yeah. other things you can do. I mean, if you could find something or design something that actually works into a, an actual professional business mm-hmm. environment, they could do that. Right. Unlocks for employees and whatnot for completing assignments on time. Or, right. Oh yeah, that's ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. I can't wait to see what people come Absolutely. up with. Absolutely, that's gonna be good. And then the the dates again. Oh man, uh, June sixteenth is the opening date for the June one. Okay. Um, all the other ones are on our website. <laughs> there's there's three of them. They're all calendared out and stuff like okay, that. Good. Oh, and I guess I should say the big showcase at the end. Man, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that out loud because I don't remember the exact date. But it's in August, uh, middle of August, and uh, that'll be where everybody comes and shows their games. So super open to everybody, um, even if you've never been out to a community event before or if you don't know how to make games. Like, doesn't matter. There's tons of stuff to play, and all the people who made the games will be there and are really fun to talk to. Well, and that's the big thing about with everything with Pick Squad. Uh, majority of it is all audiences. Right. You don't have to be a game developer to come down and check things out. Like, no. Totally. The idea is to get public opinion overall. Mm-hmm. We want strangers to come in and put hands on things to get that feedback. Right. They would never get any other way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, with so many kind of up and comers into the industry and people that are looking into getting all the, into all the different creative aspects. Of mm-hmm. What, what are some lessons that, I mean, we've talked about a few already, mm-hmm. a lot of those key points, but is there anything else specific that you can think of that would be 
helpful or good advice to little Will coming up. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that we tell people a whole lot is to finish something, um, to not start on your big dream MMO. Um, cause one, I don't want to talk to you, but two, you're not going to finish it. Um, that's, that's another reason why game jams are so huge is because you commit and scope, uh, so that you can actually finish something over a set amount of time and finishing something is huge because that is like a true testament to your efforts going into something and you definitely learn from it. So even if you do plan to make a game over a week and think like, Oh yeah, I could do this. And you don't like, guess what? Your next game jam, you're going to make something and it's going to be awesome. So, so first goal is finish. Yes. Bar none. Like right. Whatever kind of concept you've got, just make something that you can put a stamp on. Right. And yeah. There's different levels of that too. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're gonna publish it to, you're not gonna push it out to Sony and say, here you go. To yeah. PSN. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's another dynamic to it as well. Is yes, you want to put everything out, but there are points where you do have to throttle it back and limit how far you should push it. Like, right. Because yeah, if if it's your first. First project, that doesn't mean that it's going to set the world on fire. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Just being realistic about... And that's another point of learning experience, too, is uh, figuring out what is and is not worth uploading to Newgrounds versus spending a whole lot of your time trying to get YouTubers to play it versus, like, trying to submit it to festivals over and over again, because sometimes it's not even a matter of something not being good. It's just a matter of, like, it doesn't fit, and you need to, you know, uh, some things just don't fit. Sometimes you gotta figure out where your time is and when to say, uh, when to say that I'm actually done with this project, you know, all those kinds of things are super important. Yeah. Um, any big, like obviously you've had lots of successes to this point. Any like big ones that you're super proud of? Yeah, probably one of the biggest ones uh, that's all said and done. Well, I guess technically it's not. But uh, the Cartoon Network Game Jam that we hosted uh, last year. So it was a big, it was one of those 48-hour weekends. We had 200 developers on site and made like 42 games or something. And it was to kind of kick off the launch of Cartoon Network's new IP, uh, OKKO, Let's Be Heroes. So that was super fun because I got to fly down to Cartoon Network all all the time. And uh, we got to talk to a a lot of really cool people because people were submitting to say like hey I want to be a part of this yeah. so we got to meet a whole ton of new, new people yeah. yeah that were that were interested in this and they still come out to pick squad stuff yeah. and that was a that was a Rose City Games thing okay. um, awesome. but uh, but the community there always you know continues to support that right with that um, didn't the they did kind of like a best of show that actually is going to get published. So yeah, one of the game, the the grand prize was the winning game got a full-time paid contract to take it from 48-hour prototype stage yeah. to it's going to come out stage. So that stuff's still in progress. Oh, but yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's, the, why, that's what I mean by it not being done necessarily. It's, it's one of those things you can't rush. Right. Um, I bet too, I mean, there's, there's no way they wouldn't if there were other like good concepts that they saw. Right. I'm sure they've made connections behind Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that it's important that people are meeting and all that. Yes. And I think, I don't exactly know how this is working, but they were talking about doing, like, the top 16, go on the website in their prototype state yeah. kind of thing. So um, just, a, just as kind of a testament, you know, uh, Cartoon Network is a 
primarily a, a network for kids. Mm-hmm. So being able to say like, yep, you can make stuff too. And like, yeah. even though this thing is unfinished, it's cool. Right. Yeah. And right. just kind of feeds back into that whole thought of like, yeah, finish something, do your best, put effort in, and then you'll learn and do better next time. Well, I mean, with mobile games, you can go full hog and make something crazy, but you could also make something that's just a simple concept with good art sure. and be just as successful, right. if not more. I mean, and that's, that's what I think the majority of Adult Swim's games end up, or Adult Swim, Cartoon Network. Network has their <laughs> line of games, but Adult Swim does. Sure. Because those are a lot of the ones I play. Yep. Like they've got that Surgeon Simulator yeah. that they did. They've got Monsters Ate My Condo that I played mm-hmm. the hell out of. But then the Cartoon Network, what I love too, was the, it was like a Finn kick. Yeah, right. It was Adventure Time, and it's like, it was. It's a super simple concept of just keep them in the air with the awesome art for mm-hmm. Adventure Time and everything, you know, getting that license, but that, that's all it takes sometimes. Yep. Yeah, it really is. Final Fantasy. Right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's like, you know, Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Uh, They literally uploaded the first two levels to Newgrounds as like a demo. And it's like, yep, it's a freaking Flash game. Yeah. Yeah. That had its problems, but but it sure was successful now. Great ones from the the indie game. Yeah. It was one of the, the best examples of the the horror that you go through, but the success, mm-hmm. that light at the end of the tunnel, that can just, but again, it's a lottery in its own right too. Yeah. There was no guarantees That's that, true. that would trigger people like it did. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, that definitely hit a, a fine nerve with a lot of people. Cause I tried it and could not get into it, but I know. You're talking about uh, binding or, yeah. uh, okay. I was thinking of meat boy too, well, from meat the boy documentary. Too, I played a lot more than I did binding, mm-hmm. but with binding, like I just, I couldn't, jive with the controls uh-huh. it's too floaty for me right but i mean everybody else that i know that played it has been playing it right and will buy it like every time it comes out on mm-hmm. console it's like it's it's one of those games right it, it triggers with some people and others like me not so much but still it's it's you never know mm-hmm. it's one of those big things too another one of those lessons is the 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 universe will say so right like, <laughs> yeah yeah all the the planets align yeah right um with that, like the horror story side, have there been any like disasters that you could talk about? Like, not really. I mean, nothing past, mm-hmm. nothing past like needing to extend, like, like fix a game, extend the development period mm-hmm. because there was a warranty in the contract or something like that. Like, nothing, that's nothing too huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Not have anything that's just exploded? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything with the, the few projects that I've done that have blown up. I mean, everything's been, it's just tepid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, with both Pig Squad and Rose City Games, we put a lot of time into scoping ahead of time yeah. and also being clear with people. Um, I guess that's another big uh, point when you're developing games or, I mean, even working for someone, just being clear and communicative about how, what happens if this happens? Like, let's make a decision now, not when it actually happens. Yeah. That's one of those big lessons for all the, like, the Kickstarters and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's huge. Yep. <laughs> It is. Just make sure you're being responsible mm-hmm. and not overselling and right. way too ahead. Actually do your research and right. yeah, Maybe. sit down with it for a second. Yeah. Um, just to wrap up, uh, we'll, I'd like to cover just a, a couple more of, I mean, run through 
we, we talked about it a bunch of times already, the different events we got coming mm-hmm. up, but I mean, just the next couple of weeks and then where, again, everybody can track you guys down. Yeah, next couple of events we have next week, Tuesday, which I believe is May 30th. We have a workshop for Blender, which is a 3D modeling tool. Yeah. And our friend Sonia is going to be teaching everybody how to make a dinosaur. Awesome. And uh, after that, on June 10th, I believe it's a... Saturday, it's a Saturday or Sunday, I forget. Uh, June 10th, it's uh, a screening where people in our community are picking out and voting on talks that were given at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco uh, over the past years, you know? Uh, So people are kind of picking out their favorites so that we can watch them together. Uh, We run at a theater. Uh, And then in between, people can have like discussion and stuff like that. Uh, People have been asking about it for forever. So finally set that up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, we get into summer slow jams. So that's when uh, in, in June, we do our June slow jam and carries all the way through August, one each summer month. Yeah, June, July, and August. And the different themes were, first one's gadgets. First one's gadgets, second is performance, and the third is VRAR. Awesome. And then for Pig Squad, I know we got Twitter, website. Yep, yeah, pigsquad.com, twitter.com slash pigsquad. Uh, our Slack, you can actually sign up for yourself if you go to pigsquad.com and go to the community tab, which has all of our uh, community outlets on it mm-hmm. uh, online. And then, uh, yeah, all of our events are on that site, too. And we Facebook? usually post. Yes, Facebook as well. But that's Portland Indie Game Squad. Okay. It might be, I don't know what the URL is. But I know that if you, you have to search Portland Indie Game Squad and it's a group, not a page. Okay. All that other stuff. <laughs> that's a good way to go with it, though, too. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Patreon, too. Yes. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Pig Squad. We're uh, in the middle of a funding drive that ends when the T-shirt sales end, which yeah. is June 7th. So yeah. lots of different ways to support there. We have a couple of goals, too, that we reached where we might be doing some more twi- uh, Twitch stuff now. Um, we're also in the middle of trying to go for a goal right now where a bunch of people are going to put together bumpers, uh, animated bumpers, oh, where yeah. Q-Pig and the word Pig Squad appears so that during game jams, when people make their games, they can throw this little video in the front, yeah. kind of like a little credits reel thing. Right. Uh, a lot of people like to fly that flag. Yeah, so Absolutely. No, it's a good. It's, I mean, every production you see... That's that's usually there. It's it's when they have like the production studio, the finance studio, right. whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. In association with uh-huh. squad, yeah, it's great for everybody because there's there's going to be plenty of attachments with that. Right, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking some time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Thank you. Everything you guys are working on and your experience, especially. I mean, that's great. This is gold. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. Sounds good. Awesome.